kite to the moon. Oliver had made the biggest kite anyone had ever seen, and his friend Mabel painted a big round moon on it and several stars to decorate it. Stand back, all of you, he said as the kids in the neighborhood crowded around him. Now you'll see my kite fly to the moon. Oliver enjoyed making a fuss about his kite, especially when one is only seven years old. He threw it into the air, but each time it fell back to the ground. He stared at it, annoyed. It appeared his kite had no intentions of flying to the moon. Stupid thing, he muttered crossly. If I had the chance, I would fly to the moon. Kites don't know anything. The kids surrounding him laughed. What is the use of a kite that won't fly, they joked. Take it home and make it the same size as other people's kites. Then let us know what the moon is like when you get your kite there. Their laughter echoed down the street. Oliver picked up his kite and marched off to find his friend Mabel. He found her riding her bike. He stepped in front of it and said, My kite won't fly. Mabel screeched to a halt. Your kite won't fly. All the strings got mixed up, he explained. I think that was it. He couldn't bring himself to say it was as bad a kite as kites got. Hmm, said Mabel before adding. It was because the tail was too short. I told you so all the time. No doubt there was something in what she said, but reasons are not much good when you are seven years old and your kite won't fly. If you know so much about it, he retorted, come and fly it yourself. Okay, she said, joining him as he trudged away. Where are we going? We are going out into the world to discover the reasons why my kite won't fly, answered Oliver. And between them, they picked up the kite and started their journey. How are we going to discover why your kite won't fly, asked Mabel after they had walked a good way. We will ask everybody we meet, said Oliver confidently. There is sure to be someone who can tell us, and we will not rest until we find that person. But we haven't met anybody yet, remarked Mabel, rather dolefully. How long do you think we'll have to walk before we find the right person? Perhaps years and years, answered Oliver with a shrug. He quickened his steps as he spoke, and Mabel had to run a little to keep up with him. It was beginning to grow dark now, and the country seemed more and more desolate. The world is not so full of people as I expected, said Oliver, in a disappointed tone. I hope we meet someone who will know why my kite won't fly. I'm tired, Mabel said. Can we go home and put off seeing the world until tomorrow? Oliver looked at her and sighed. Well, I would, but I don't know the way home. They sat down for a while and without knowing it, fell asleep. When they woke up, it had grown dark. They looked around for the kite, but it was nowhere to be seen. The moon came out obligingly from behind a cloud and helped them as much as it could, but the kite was not there. Oh no, cried Mabel. Maybe somebody came along and took it when we were asleep. Doubtful, came a voice from the hedge. You would have to be very wide awake to keep that kite from giving you the slip as soon as the moon came up. Of course, no one but a sprite would have appeared like that, just in time to say the right thing. 
so Oliver and Mabel were not at all surprised when this particular sprite came tumbling out of the hedge and perched himself on a rock behind them. Do you mean to say you know where the kite has gone? asked Oliver. Look up there, answered the sprite, pointing to the sky. The sky was covered with stars, hundreds and thousands of them, all twinkling around the moon just as Mabel had painted them on the kite. Only she could not help thinking that her stars had more shape and were decidedly more like stars than the real stars were. But this, she supposed, might be because the real stars were such a long way off. One of them was different from all the others. It had a long, bright tail that glittered like a firecracker, and it was scurrying across the sky at such a pace that the rest of the stars had to get out of the way as best as they could. Oh, Mabel and Oliver cried, clapping their hands with excitement. There's our kite, and it is flying to the moon after all. There's no doubt about that, said the sprite. But why did it not fly to the moon this afternoon when all the other kids were looking on? asked Oliver with a frown. Because there wasn't a moon to fly to, of course, answered the sprite. You shouldn't expect too much, even from the biggest kite in the world. But as soon as there was a moon, you see, away it flew. Then, if I had painted the sun on it instead of the moon, it would have flown away this afternoon, exclaimed Mabel. Exactly so, said the sprite. Now, whatever made you paint a thing like the moon on anybody's kite? Well, you see, the moon is so nice and easy, explained Mabel. All you have to do is to draw a circle round the biggest soup plate you can find, and then you take away the soup plate, and you paint the eyes and the nose and the mouth, and there you are. You can't do much more than that with three paints, can you? Yes, you can, retorted the sprite. You can paint the sun, and that's ever so much better than painting the moon. Oh, but you can't paint the sun when you've only got three paints, objected Mabel. It takes many more paints than that to make it shine properly, and even then it doesn't always. Shine, repeated the sprite. Who said anything about shining? When I say the sun, I mean the other side of the sun, of course. That doesn't shine. It knows better. The sprite seemed so hurt about it that Mabel hastened to pacify him. I'm very sorry, she said. Of course I would like to paint your side of the sun very much, but it's a little difficult when I haven't ever been there, isn't it? Perhaps, admitted the sprite, but if that is all it takes, then I'll show you it this very minute. Will you come? Mabel looked round, and there was Oliver, still gazing up at the star with the long tail. Just then, it reached the moon and went straight into it with a big splash, and Oliver heaved a deep sigh. That made Mabel say, If you wouldn't mind, I think we would rather go to the moon. The sprite instantly flew into a fit. What? he exclaimed, shaking with indignation. You would rather go to the moon than the back of the sun? Well, I am sorry for you. Mabel stepped back nervously, but Oliver put a calming hand on her shoulder. 
You see, Oliver explained to the sprite, it's not the moon we want, it's the kite. And the kite has gone to the moon. Oh, well, said the sprite, calming down a little. If you are quite sure you don't want to go to the moon, I will have the greatest pleasure in taking you there. I'll call a comet at once. He put his fingers to his mouth and whistled loud enough to reach the sky. Come to think of it, he continued thoughtfully, it is a very good thing you don't want to go to the back of the sun because we would have had to wait until the morning. Why? asked Oliver. Because when the sun goes down, it takes the back of itself with it, of course. I wouldn't be here now if I hadn't missed the last sunbeam this evening. That is the worst thing about living in a place that disappears every night. Oh, but it doesn't really disappear, said Mabel. The sun is shining somewhere at this very moment, only we can't see it. Rubbish, said the sprite scornfully. Don't you believe everything you're told about the sun? Who said it didn't disappear, huh? Has anyone ever gone after it to see? No, said Mabel doubtfully, but... That proves it doesn't go on shining then, said the sprite triumphantly. There's plenty of inquisitive people who have gone after the sun long ago if it hadn't the sense to disappear every night. It must have some peace if it's got to come up smiling again in the morning. Do the sprites disappear every night too? asked Oliver. Of course they do, answered the sprite. Don't you? I don't think so, said Oliver, a little bewildered. I thought we only went to sleep. Well, you do that first, said the sprite. Then you disappear. No, we don't, said Mabel positively. We wouldn't have dreams if we disappeared. You certainly wouldn't have any dreams unless you did disappear, the sprite insisted. Then what about tonight, Oliver retorted. Do you mean to say we have disappeared now? The sprite sighed. Some people never know when they're not there, he complained. But here's our comet. Jump on or else we will be late. Down swooped the great shining comet, and there it lay across the road, waiting for them to get on. The children climbed on its broad, glittering tail and held tightly to each other, while the sprite mounted in front of them and stood like a man at the wheel with its hand on the comet's head. Up they flew at a terrific speed right through the wonderful blue darkness that stretched all around them. Far above was the great land of light that encircled the moon, but the country of the stars came in between, and the stars were still so far off that they still didn't look like real stars. Afraid of the dark, asked the sprite over his shoulder. No, said Mabel, I'm only afraid of the dark you get at home when the light is turned off. This is a nice, friendly kind of darkness. I don't know so much about that, said the sprite. If you had the steering to do, you wouldn't mind a light or two to help. Do you steer by the points of the compass, asked Oliver eagerly. Certainly not, said the sprite. When you are sailing on a comet, you steer by the points of the comet, of course. Just then he gave a sharp turn to the points of the comet, and it sailed right out of the blue darkness and took them into the dim, mysterious grayness of the country of the stars. 
It grew lighter and lighter as they came nearer the moon, and even the stars began to look pale in the white light that was shining so close to the edge. The stars were growing fewer too, for stars naturally prefer to shine in a place where they can be seen, and just here at the edge they could hardly be seen at all. Then the sprite gave another turn to the points of the comet, and it glided gently from the country of the stars into the pale white country of the moon. It's like being inside a great flame that isn't hot, whispered Mabel. Even the sprite had to admit that the country of the moon had something in its favor. For those who like light, he allowed, the moon is all very well. I am very glad there is light where I live, said Mabel. But there isn't, retorted the sprite. There's only other people's light in your country. Where would you be if you didn't borrow bits of light from the countries of the sky, hmm? Mabel thought it would be wiser to change the subject. If you please, she said politely, can you tell me when we will get to the moon? The sprite laughed. We are in the moon now. Do you think we'll find my kite soon? Oliver asked impatiently. Nobody answered, for just then the comet came to a screeching halt that nearly threw all three of them into the air. It was not the comet's fault, however, for right in its way was Oliver's kite. Why don't you look where you're going? asked the kite in the flippant sort of tone one would expect from a kite. Oliver was so astonished at being spoken to by a thing he had made with his own hands that he didn't know how to reply. The comet, however, being a comet of few words, put its head down and rushed straight at Oliver's kite. There was no doubt that in another minute there would have been a terrific battle in the middle of the moon if a strange, clear voice had not spoken just in time to stop it. Who is daring to make all this commotion in my country, said the voice. Hello, muttered the sprite, then suddenly said, Goodbye, children. And pointing his hands downward, he took a die from the head of the comet and disappeared in the direction of the country of the stars. At the same instant, out from the pale white distance of the country of the moon, glided a tall figure, as white and delicate and shimmering as the light that surrounded it. Can that be the man in the moon, whispered Mabel. Then the figure came closer, and they saw it was a wonderful, mysterious-looking woman. I am the lady of the moons, she said in the same clear, cold voice. Snow and stillness and space are wherever I go. When I smile, I make the whole world beautiful. But my smile takes the color away from the flowers and the ripple away from the water and the warmth away from the sunshine. She looked around and her eyes lighted on Oliver's kite. What is that creature doing in my country, she demanded. It's my kite, Oliver said. I made it all by myself. And Mabel, she painted the moon and stars on it. What do the stars matter, the lady scoffed. The moon is far more important. And who told you children that you might come into my country? The sprite, explained Oliver. He was here a minute ago, but he left. No doubt he has, said the lady of the moon with a little laugh that made them shiver. Sprites know better than to come my way. I can turn their laughter into frost, and they don't like that. As for you, 
Unless you want to be frozen on the moon for the rest of your lives, you had better make haste home again. Mabel was only too anxious to be off, for she had no wish to spend the rest of her life with someone who made people shiver when she laughed. However, Oliver did not mean to have his journey to the moon for nothing. "'May I take my kite back with me?' he asked boldly. "'I want to show the other kids that it did fly to the moon after all.' "'That's all very well,' objected the kite. "'But I don't want to go back among a lot of girls and boys who do not know how to appreciate me. "'When a fellow has once been a comet, you cannot expect him to end his days as a common kite.' "'Settle that among yourselves,' said the Lady of the Moon, gathering her cloak close around her and stepping away from them. Only please leave my country first. She had hardly finished speaking when a faint gleam of pink pierced the white light around her and touched the edge of her cloak. She gave a shrill cry instantly and waved her arms about her in great excitement. Go, 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 she hastened. Dawn is coming and you will be swallowed up by the setting of the moon. Go! Jump, Mabel, jump, Oliver shouted, seizing her by the arm and springing away from the comet. The next minute, she found herself sitting beside him on top of the biggest kite in the world. Now, said Oliver sternly to his kite, you've got to take us home straight away without any more nonsense. You might want to stay and be swallowed up, but we don't. Now, down you go. The kite felt there was some sense in Oliver's words and made no further objections, sailing swiftly out of the country of the moon just in time to escape being swallowed up. The downward journey was much simpler than the one of the night before, for the sun was rising as fast as it could, and the stars were disappearing so rapidly that there were hardly any left of them to get in the way. The sun was shining brightly, and the birds were singing, and the children were laughing on their way to school, when Oliver and Mabel at last reached home on the biggest kite in the world. Look, cried all the boys and girls rushing up to them. Where have you been, Oliver? Oliver smiled triumphantly and waved them all back with his hand. Didn't I tell you my kite was going to the moon? Then Oliver and Mabel went home to breakfast, and Oliver's kite sailed back to the countries of the sky, where it has been a comet ever since.